Previously on WandaVision. This is chaos magic, Wanda. But that makes you the Scarlet Witch. Welcome back to Maximoff Overdrive, a podcast from The Incomparable, where we do a deep delve into the Disney Plus show WandaVision. I'm Lisa Schmeiser, and with me, as always, are Kelly Gamont. Howdy, howdy. And Don Melton. Howdyer. This episode covers the ninth and final episode of WandaVision. So we will, of course, be treating it like every other episode ever made. Um, no, actually, we will not. We will be um, recapping it as per usual. But since this episode does do a pretty deep dive into Marvel lore and history after we recap the episode, we'll have Don Melton tell us what we need to know about the Marvel <laughs> comics in order to get an extra layer of relevance in the episode. Then we'll move into Kelly's home for wayward theories and talk about what did or didn't pan out. And we'll then share our reactions and talk about some of the questions we have regarding whether or not this episode is a good episode of its own, how well it did its job in finishing off a a television series and how well it did its job of setting up the rest of the MCU to follow. And now let's get to the opening ceremony. Who would like to recap? (laughs) Is it Don and Kelly's turn? (laughs) Nope. It is not our turn because Lisa is the best. (laughs) All right. We've done that. I feel I, I can't tell if I'm Lucy with the foot if I'm Charlie Brown with the football here or Wiley Coyote with with like something that failed from Acme. I'm not sure. <laughs> if you can't tell, does it really matter? No, I, I, really that was doesn't. for that was for Kelly there. Just so you know, <laughs> just so I could I could listen to her cackle. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a Westworld um, joke. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it's very much a Westworld joke. Um, Lisa, it's because you are so much better at the recap, because if we let you recap, it's going to actually be a recap and not one of us describing the first two scenes and then immediately wandering off in some other direction. (laughs) Or in my case, turning into the novelization read aloud. Yes. All right. So to move into the recap portion, like I said, this is the series finale. And what we find out is that Hayward has turned, has done a heel turn that is so magnificent. The writers at the World Wrestling Organization's are like why are we asking our villains to turn it down when when this is out there in the world um (laughs) and and at this point like he just loses his mind and goes like full bore cartoon villain this is relevant because when he eventually gets into the hex with his army of goons um which is what happens when wanda's like okay fine family or hex family or hex i guess I guess I will not be evil and I will lift the hex. She lifts the hex. Hayward runs in. Um, But I'm actually getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm still thrown over the whole Hayward thing to, to do the recap. There are several battles that take place through this episode. The most relevant ones are Wanda versus Agatha. Wanda wins a, I wouldn't say handily, but Wanda wins definitively by the end of it. There's Wanda versus her conscience. Her conscience ends up winning that one eventually. Um, Wanda versus grief. That one comes to a draw. Uh, Vision versus double vision. 
that one actually comes to a draw as well with one of the most elegant deployments of uh, the thesis ship metaphor I've ever seen. And um, we now have double vision wandering the earth uh, with no one seeming to find a problem with this whatsoever. Uh, Hayward versus the WandaVision family. It does not go well for him because, oh my God, it's Monica Rambo's entrance music. She actually like <laughs> takes the bullets that Hayward intends to shoot at children, just in case you were confused as to where his moral alignment was. So she has her moment where you see that she really has like A-list superhero stuff. Um, and uh, the good news is in the Monica versus Hayward conflict, she wins without even trying. It's magnificent. Um, With an assist by Darcy. I was going to say in the <laughs> Hayward versus Darcy conflict, Darcy Lewis deploying the classic hit them with a car technique as perfected in Thor's one and two, I think. Um, so I that's, so yes. yeah, that's a conflict that's pretty easily withdrawn. Um Jimmy Woo versus goons who are unaware of his ability to do close-up magic. Um, clearly, he wins that route. And um, finally, the notion that the MCU lives in an extended universe where uh, things like consistency and collegiality exist versus what happened in this show um, goes to what happened in this show. To get into a few more nitpicky details, Wanda eventually comes to the realization that it's morally wrong to keep the... Um, keep the good people of Westview trapped in her coping grief narrative. The thing is, if she unravels the hex, she also unravels Billy and Tommy and Vision's existence. Vision knows this now too. And she and Vision make the decision that it's the right thing to do. There's a beautiful and moving scene where they, they conclude, you know, we've said goodbye to each other before. We'll say hello to each other again. They put their kids to bed without like freaking them out and letting them know this is less than putting to bed. And then Wanda makes the decision to restore Westview to what it was. At the end of it, she just walks out everyone lets her leave um and then she goes off to presumably wundagore where she stuck where she's doing the old doctor strange thing of, of chillaxing in one room while her astral projecting self bones up on deep magic in the other wanda has fully leaned into the scarlet witch identity um other relevant details to include in the recap it turns out that uh Ralph existed this whole time. Uh, most horrifyingly, he was just a dude who lived in a Westview house that Agnes ensnared with like a magic surfer necklace. And um, that is who Pietro was. His name was Ralph Boner. Uh, there are some really horrifying uh, implications about consent and lack thereof if you take any of the jokes from the 1980s uh, episode seriously. But if you don't, that's okay. Evan Peters uh, ending the episode whimpering, don't hurt me, is really pretty funny. Um, and that is all. I think we need to say about the re about this recap. A lot of fighting, a lot of people winning, bittersweet ending. There it is. Yeah, it, they basically they basically could have just cut for like about ten minutes there over to old Yeller. Yeah. And most of us <laughs> would have had the same reaction. It would have looked the same amount of blurry, and I would not have noticed if they had swapped some oh, of it yeah. out for the last of Old Yellow, because my my copy was blurry. Oh, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, if they, they, they could have cut out like 10 minutes of the fighting, to be honest, because there are a lot of Marvel set pieces in this where there's a lot of flying around in the air and laser and, and, and flashes of light are whipping and the villains are trash talking or not. And I'm just like... <sighs> No, more characters. I got to disagree with you on that. That just, okay. that was just, 
great because we really hadn't had much of that. And if you're going to do it in the final act, that's pretty nice. I also think if there's anybody I want to see flying around in the air, uh, it's uh, Paul Bettany guest starring with one of the, the favorite actors that he always wanted to work with. It's um, so Paul Bettany. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh, was he, he was liberal. on. I love it. Yeah, he was on Good Morning America, uh, owning up to the fact that uh, he trolled everybody on that. Um, and uh, frankly, uh, Wanda and Agnes, uh, especially that last battle, you know, mm-hmm. where um, uh, the signs on the... Uh, the runes. The runes, sorry, the runes on yeah. the wall, that, that was awesome. I like I did like that sequence. I wasn't I feel like each of the the knockdown dragouts went like one round too long. We didn't need to go back to them. If we'd gone back to each of them one last time, it would have been fine. Um, but I really enjoyed. I wondered what the deal was with Wanda because she kept like totally missing Agnes. Mm-hmm. So she'd like hit Agnes and hit Agnes and then way off over the other direction and then hit Agnes and then hit Agnes and then off over the other direction and there was even a point where Agnes like clocked the red mm-hmm. ball of energy that went by her and kind of looked at Wanda like eh and so you know when we finally get to that big moment where Agnes is winding up and giving her big you know ha ha speech you know and then nothing happens um I really was confused about what happened and then all of a sudden off on the one side we see one of the runes uh, mm-hmm. Start showing up in the hex. Ha ha! I called it the hex. I don't get to do that anymore, so I had to, I had to get one more in. Um, <laughs> and, and it was um, and like I thought that was really interesting because it just showed that she really was. You know, she had paid so much more attention than I think anybody had given her credit for, and I think Wanda's sort of used to being underestimated in certain cases, and that's what happened here i'm glad you said that because what i found really intriguing about this episode is i think it's the most direct characterization we've had of wanda period Mm -hmm. because you think about the first five six episodes was it um the like basically the the first two-thirds of this show we had wanda going through different sitcom time periods and we Mm -hmm. see that she's effectively trying on these different personae and we're getting a clue as to what's going on and then we had the you know absolutely gunning tour de force um last week where we take a walk through wanda's memories but like if you asked me to describe wanda like is she quick on the take or is she slow? Is she quick to anger? Or is she somebody who's slow to anger and stays angry permanently? Um, what are her biggest personality traits or her values? Like, I'd have a hard time saying anything. Because a lot of the times she's used as a plot device. Like, she was a plot device in Age of Ultron. She was a plot device in the Civil War, yeah. for better or for worse. Um, she's used as a stakes upper in the um, Avengers... The, the Avengers um, Infinity War 
mm-hmm. movie, and then she has all of one line <laughs> in Avengers: Age of Ultron. Well, no, she's got like the funeral lines, but basically, like the whole thing is, oh, Wanda's the hot topic witch, and that's it. And in this episode, <laughs> I never thought about it like that, but yeah, basically. And the thing is, you don't get a feel for her personality the same way that you have with other characters that they've taken time to develop in the MCU, like, um. And part of that is it's the curse of being a supporting character. And it's also the curse of not being like even a second. It, she's not even a second tier supporting character. She's like a third tier supporting character because like by the time you're done with the Avengers movies, you're like, okay, Rhodey is super snarky and um, also has a fierce sense of duty. And this is what keeps Tony in line. You've got that sense. Or you're like, okay, Clint Barton is somebody who compartmentalizes in really disturbing ninja ways or. <laughs> yes. Right. But, like you have like. You have, like, sort of that executive summary of all of them. But you didn't have it for Wanda. All you had for Wanda was lots of people that she loved dies. Yeah. Like, it's, she's had a rough life. That was really, like, she she's sad. Like, everything happens to her. She's really, you know, she's really unlucky. Or, um, you know, her life has always been uphill or whatever. But, it's you know, it, all the trial and all the tribulation is just kind of Wanda's department. And that's it. And there's nothing about, like... Who, who is she? she is in that assessment what are her her selling traits and i think what we actually learned about her in this episode is we learned that she is a really quick learner mm-hmm. you know because think about how quickly she picked up the agnes playbook yep and we learned that she's and and you know we also learned that she's somebody who um she's somebody who's horrified by by her consequences and still doesn't have any way to deal with them because like the one scene like there were scenes that made me sob because they're poignant you know tucking in the kids and the way vision says good night lads i was oh my god chaps but like the chaps chaps Chaps. yes good night chaps yes i I had to pause and chuckle at that it was just so funny to me good night chaps yes enjoyed that but like the one scene in this episode that really terrified me like on a visceral oh my god she's gonna get torn apart level was like the scene where all of the people of westview are like snapped out of their roles and they're surrounding Mm -hmm. her and i was like they're gonna rip her limb to limb and like she couldn't handle being faced with what she's done and she's not really good with consequences but we but we know she's a quick study she's just a really reactive person and you know i feel like i know her better and what i find really interesting is she's arguably going to be one of the more flawed and um therefore interesting flawed and thorny characters to come out of the mcu i mean the reason i'd always liked iron man was because he was kind of unrepentantly a turkey like yeah turkey's a word for it yeah yeah and the reason i'm gonna like wanda is she's somebody like when she just like puts on the hoodie and walks out of town and is like yeah i'm done with this scene i'm not like she doesn't stick around for a debrief she doesn't bother to explain to anybody she doesn't bother to apologize she just goes yeah as we also learned in this episode uh debriefs are for the week (laughs) so 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 there's so you know that we do learn from the fight scene that wanda's a quick study yeah and A part, another part of what I what I think is interesting about her is, like I said, you know, we talked about like she's flawed and she's really sad and she's broken in like this fundamental way because of what's happened to her. Um, and but what she chooses to do with that is is what makes her interesting because you'll notice, however deep and wide and vast, and I I mean this in in like the size wise, however great her grief is. 
her conscience is greater, her desire to do the right thing, her desire to help and make better, even if she's directly involved in why we are where we are. Like her desire to make that right, to improve it, to make it better, to make it change, make a change. You know, like we talked about before, you know, when given the option to stay here and no one will fault you for that. Or, you know, if you want to get into it, if you want to get in and fight, then get in and fight. And you can do that too. And nobody's going to judge you either way, whichever one you want to do. And she always chooses the harder thing to go and try because if she goes and tries, she might fail and she does it anyway. And she does it time after time after time. And, you know, we sort of got the underscore of that when Jimmy's given us the rundown. I'm sorry, when Agent Wu is giving us the rundown on what it is that, that Wanda's been up to when we get kind of the overview of her mm-hmm. from Hayward, Heelward, we can call him. Um, when we get the overview of him from him, you know, um, Jimmy keeps popping up and going, you know, but then she did this really good thing. Like, all yeah. you're talking about is the bad parts, but she did this other thing, too. And that makes I think that's what makes Wanda interesting. Um, she's more like chaotic good, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, because she wants to do, she wants to do right, but sometimes her, you know, sometimes the reason it's good she has a desire to fix things is because she's part of why they broke. Yeah. Like I was gonna say, I think the reason between her and say lawful good Steve Rogers is if Steve Rogers sees a bunch of bullies beating up somebody, he's going to rush in and and break it up Mm -hmm. because it affronts his sense of decency. Whereas Wanda might keep her head down. Unless mm-hmm. and until it spirals out to a point where she's like, no, enough. Um. <laughs> <laughs> she would like, she'd like follow them home and make sure every one of them like fell and, you know, hit their head on a garbage can or something. <laughs> like, you know, not at the time and make it very clear, like, you shouldn't be doing this because it's wrong. You know, this is where we begin to read between the lines. But it occurs to me that if you have a character where they tell you pretty explicitly in one episode that um, virtually every every form of government across the planet has let her down um, yeah, <laughs> and not been there for her. I think it goes a long way towards explaining why she's really not interested in dealing with them now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the scene where she puts up the hoodie and then walks back through the people who can just stare at her. Like, well, I think that what's telling is what she tells uh, Monica Rambo, you know, that she does not, <clears throat> she does not understand, uh, you know, she's sorry. She wishes that she had not caused this harm and that she does not understand her power, but that yeah. she will. But she mm-hmm. will. Yeah, this goes back to Kelly as she, she tries to fix it because sometimes she broke it. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, I think we saw that in the biggest way in Civil War in the beginning with the accident in Lagos. Yeah. Right. Where she killed all those people on the floor of that building. By exploding that yeah. guy or containing the explosion of that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's. I love characters like this, though. You know, the yeah. more screwed up they are, the more, you know, the more interesting. The irony is yeah. that, you know, you describe Steve Rogers as uh, lawful good, but there's He's a character who's not trim- on. on- on on further reflection like he's more chaotic good than than you realize yes well he started lawful good i mean yeah. let's let's be fair like he he had to go do some living to kind of climb down off the lawful good perch well there, there's a there's a character that's tormented by so many things uh you know a man out of his time mm-hmm. 
who loses the love of his life uh, and his very best friend who then comes back and tries to kill him. But, you know, he also has America's ass. So it balances out. It balances out. Yes. I I must uh, I must say speaking of uh, people who might be buff, uh, the uh, the people in this TV series uh, were remarkably reasonably buff. I mean, Paul Bettany for a guy as uh, as old as he is is remarkably buff, but nobody was the uh, Chris Hemsworth bulging muscles type or. No. You know the uh, the super svelte uh, heroine or whatever, and I kind of like that. People were like ordin- you know, ordinary people. People shaped. Yeah, they were people shaped, and I really, I think that's better. Uh, uh, that's better for humanity overall uh, to get that. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that got me here was um, shoes under the car going into the house aside. How much this entire show was like uh, The Wizard of Oz. Just, it hit me. I was laughing at the same time when I saw that scene. And then I basically hit pause in uh, the first viewing. And I was like, what the hell, man? (laughs) Why didn't I think of that before? It's like so obvious. They told us. Yeah. Because if you watch when, um, when... Uh, which part of when Wanda tells everyone to leave and you see that the neighbor that the the downtown area is sort of glitching out mm-hmm. of sync the movie theater says Wizard, Wizard of Oz, Oz yes. on at it. one point yes, yeah it does. it does blink to that so yeah I noticed that because I noticed the boots under the car as well and I, yeah, yeah. I did uh, pause oh, and, and chuckle mightily at that <laughs> yes but the whole idea of the Wizard of Oz especially uh, the uh the movie version, the classic movie version, is that uh, you basically have these townspeople in the real world, and then they all are starring in essentially Dorothy's very possibly dream or a visitation in Oz, yeah. right? And it's whole idea of this uh, uh, this extra reality world, this super emphasized world. And there are parallels to other characters, and it's like, dang, boy, am I slow and stupid. So uh, uh, I thought that was uh, that was really cool. Uh, I also just as soon as the two visions had the ship of Theseus discussion, as soon as that was mentioned, I was like, oh, I am so here for this, you know, because. Um, uh, I've had that discussion so many times uh, before, uh, and I would agree with White Vision. There, uh, there is no answer for that. Yeah, uh, they they are neither Vision or both are Vision, right? We actually had to pause because I watched this with my ten year old, and she's all, "Wait, what?" And so we actually we actually paused the the show, and then went through and redid the thought experiment only using her her favorite lovey, her bunny. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it was basically the, okay, Bunny's super flat, so let's say that we take out his old stuffing and put a new new stuffing. Is he still Bunny? And she's like, well, yes, because he still feels like my Bunny and all the memories and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, we have to replace his skin now. 
is he still bunny? And she's like, no. And I said, but why not? It's, it's the stuffing is the same as it was. And she's like, okay, wait. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like we got there and, and she found us like, oh, oh, I get it. It's the idea of something as well as the physical reality of something. And it's how you define it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you got it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's... I was really curious where double vision was going to end up with that once, once we gave it to, you know, circuitry to chew over. I really was very interested in what he was going to come up with. Okay, so can we just talk about the fact that after Hayward makes all this fuss about several million, about several billions dollars worth of vibranium and sentient weaponry being something that they have to keep an eye on for the good of humanity, Double Vision just fafts off to the great unknown and like <laughs> no one is worried about this. Like no one has brought this up as a, oh, we should probably keep an eye because now we have like a brainwashed cyborg on the loose. We should probably call him White Vision. Because when you say double vision, yeah. you're really talking about both of them. Uh, so white, so white vision. So the question is, is so I, I'm so I'm super uncomfortable calling him white vision because it sounds like a it sounds like a a, a, a Nazi thing. Uh, it actually, well, that's good because that's that goes back to the comics. Actually, I'll get to that yeah. later on. But let Ooh. me talk about this whole thing about what happens to white vision after. Um, faux vision you mm -hmm. know expands his yeah. mind so he says i am the vision and then he takes off and breaks the did you notice hexagonal shaped uh ceiling window yeah uh and then he's off he doesn't stick around to visit wanda he doesn't stick around to save things i think there's lots of possibilities here if you recall his mandate was to eliminate or kill the vision so mm -hmm. if he realizes he's vision is he just going to go off himself oh my god yeah <laughs> no, I'm just... i mean that is a possibility right okay also because he's he's a he's a sentient bio um bio cybernetic yeah he's he's a synthesoid so I would actually watch a dark comedy where it's basically nine episodes of him trying to kill himself and being incredibly <laughs> unsuccessful each time. I, <laughs> like he attempts to I drown himself do. in the ocean and you just see him down in the Mariana's Trench like doing, being like, well, if I'm down here, I may as well just like record something for science. <laughs> well, there, there's, yeah. certainly, there's certainly, you know, a dozen ways I can think of at the top of my head he could off himself. So, but I don't think he's going to do that. So the question then is, where did he go? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think there's lots of possibilities there. Now, we don't know what all the casting is in uh, uh, Multiverse of Madness, but there is always the possibility that Bettany has, if nothing else, a cameo in that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, because... Also, I, don't, you know, I step through it frame by frame because... That's just how I roll. Uh, of all the things when he got his memory back that he saw. And he basically mm -hmm. saw everything from Age of Ultron, uh, Civil War, uh, to uh, Infinity War. You know, he saw his d death twice, too. Oh, that's got to But obviously, he did not see anything that happened inside the hex. Because that didn't happen to him. That happened right. to uh, Faux Vision. That, 
Color vision. Yeah, color vision. Wanda's vision. You can yeah, just color vision. vision. Color vision is good. I like that color vision. White vision and color vision. And so, and he, one of the things that he sees is him and Wanda embracing. So he knows that they mm-hmm. had a relationship. Yeah. So if this follows along with the comics, this is a lot like uh, uh, the white vision period of the comics. So the the question is, um, and I, I think I discussed this our last episode, uh, you know, when the this uh, this pseudo government uh, organization basically stole into the Avengers mansion and stole the uh, the vision and and took him apart and whatever uh, uh, because they were worried about him, you know, spinning out of control and, you know, going Ultron on them again uh, and him coming back. Uh, once they reconstructed him, he didn't have his personality. He okay. had his memories, mm-hmm. but he didn't have that elemental part that made him. So I wonder if where he goes is he realizes he now has all these memories, but he doesn't have that feeling, right? He doesn't have the piece of him that he left behind in the library. Yeah. That helped him figure it out. Yeah. 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 So... so I think that could be really interesting, and I almost want an entire movie or TV series based on that. But it was elemental that that had to happen, and White Vision had to take off, because even though the show is called WandaVision, it's about uh, the color vision that she made and her relationship to uh, that grief, that hope, and as she said, that love. Mm-hmm. And you it had to end with him ending and then Wanda going off to deal with that by himself it wasn't it wasn't about white vision because he, you know he didn't show up until the end of the 7th episode yeah mm-hmm. so uh i th- uh i thought that was a good way a really good way to take care of that problem and woohoo ship of theseus uh you know <laughs> well, it's uh, a fun problem because you can talk about it with what what makes up the ship of thesis and how do you define it and how do you agree on those definitions? And it's just a great thought experiment to do. The, a lot of times, you know, when you, you try to have this uh, conversation with Neanderthals, uh, mm-hmm. what I always do is I, I always use that grandfather's axe analogy instead yes, of the ship of thesis. Yes, from Terry Pratchett. It was exactly. in um, the, yeah. fifth, the Fifth Elephant. Yes, yeah. Because it's, it's simpler to understand because it's basically got two parts, right? Yep. A handle and a head. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. The, um, to do a little cross-promotion, I have a podcast with Erica Enzen uh, called The Saga of Rereading Epics, where we, <laughs> where we reread science fiction series and fantasy series that influenced us strongly um, in, our, in our formative period. And um, <laughs> she's not a Pratchett person, but I, but I was at least... Um, She's not excited about. It. I'm like, oh, I want to do Pratchett next, but I like it is. It is my new dream to actually do like a rereading Terry Pratchett thing and just like dive into the way he so casually weaves in things like the ship of thesis uh, problem in in layperson terms. Because, um, and I feel like Pratchett goes well at the MCU because it's the big, vast, extended universe where things are constantly changing and there's all different entry points for people who like different types of stories. So, so that's my endorsement. So anyway, I I I like that. 
I like that part. I thought that was a good resolution. I also thought it was the only resolution that Color Vision and uh, Billy and Timmy and Tommy had to go. Yeah. I mean, that was obvious. But I thought it was yeah. telling that at the end, when when uh, Wanda is having you know having her astral projection do the study, which we mm-hmm. saw Doctor Strange do. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you how she's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. You know, Doctor Strange has to, his body has to be asleep when he does that stuff. Mm-hmm. Wanda, Wanda can walk around and make tea when she's doing yeah. that. But anyway, so she hears the boys and you can tell mm-hmm. she's pissed. She closes uh, the dark hold and it's like she's, she's heading out. She's going to go kick some ass. So I have a question for you, since uh, you're you're our deep lore guy. Is the Darkhold the book that was stolen from the library? That gets in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Did you know the last two weeks, people will not shut up about that online. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I've I, I've watched various you know video blogs, and you know people do these summaries and stuff. And, you know, one person will say, absolutely not, because it was this other book that was uh, uh, at Comertage that the Sorcerer Supreme had at the time. That's the one they're talking about. And the other person say, well, of course, it was the dark hole, blah, blah. And then you have some jerk in the back row say, well, this doesn't look like the dark hole that was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's like. Would you just shut up? Because Faye has said that you know that Faye has said that that's not exactly canon and whatever. Hey, it's all a multiverse. So I have no idea. And uh. and just to be clear, in terms of the comics, I don't recall. Uh, and this is like got to be close to twenty years since I read any of this stuff. Uh, I don't recall uh, whether that was actually actually an issue. Uh, essentially, the Darkhold is uh, Agnes call Agatha Harkness calls it uh, the Book of the Dead. Yeah, it's that. But the it, Book of the Dam. Yeah, the Book the of Dam. the Dam. That's what she said. The Book of the Dam. But it, it's yeah. basically the Necronomicon, right? Yeah. By okay. the way, I th- what I also thought was interesting. You know, the page where she has has it open, and on the right side, it shows the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Pause the screen. And look at the stuff on the left-hand page. And, you know, the whole thing we were talking about, what was the empty slot in Comertage in the library? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's like 10 times as much stuff online about what is actually depicted on the (laughs) left-hand side. Oh, no. Okay. And so I can't give you a definitive answer there anyway, other than to say, there's a lot of theories on that. So... (laughs) Yeah, the um, other thing I wanted to ask about the astral projection—that's also canon in the comics, right? Yeah. Okay. And that was canon early on, and it was. Uh, it, there were variations of it in um, uh, using that same kind of thing in Marvel and DC uh, universes and stuff like that. So uh, there was a lot of mysterious crap like that, like in the DC universe, you know, dead men. Dead man did that kind of stuff all the time. He essentially was an astral projection. So, uh, uh, but as I recall with Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. 
the whole astral projection thing was like, oh, I don't know, first or second issue. Uh, when he was okay. in, when he was in the back of uh, what was it? Tales of Suspense. Mm-hmm. I'm just riffing I'm here, so- going off of a uh, bad drug-induced memories from the '60s and '70s. <laughs> So other thing I want to ask about, can you describe the relationship between Doctor Strange and uh, Wanda Maximoff? Like, do they just not talk at all? Or do they see each other as professional peers as an oh, we're, we run in the same weird magical circles or <laughs> my friend from work? Yeah, exactly. Like, are they work friends? Um, are they are they more like, are they are they both confused by the org chart? I haven't read enough of those particular comics uh, to give you a, a... Uh, a particular definitive answer. Uh, There were times when they were at odds, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's all been more of a... Sort of historically in the comics, Doctor Strange has been living in the whiffy spell, I'm really a magician and wizard world, while Wanda certainly early on, the Scarlet Witch, was more... You know, that was just a character name uh, she had before some writer decided that that was like, a. you know, they came up with the whole idea of her being a nexus being. Did I describe what a nexus being is? A nexus being is the same, is the same being in all the multiverses. So Wanda Maximoff is the same in all multiverses. That's unlike all everybody else. Well, mm-hmm. who isn't a nexus Which- being? Which would help explain why we're going to see a lot of her in the next Doctor Strange movie, which, if I'm not mistaken, is called Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's certainly mad. So, that too. So, and obviously with the Nexus joke they dropped this time with one of the commercials, mm-hmm. they're going to go there a little bit, I believe. Well, they, the commercial with the um, Yo Magic and the island and the shark. <laughs> no, I think, you know, we... When Ag- when Agatha says in this episode, I take magic from the undeserving. I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's totally your magic. Yeah, yeah, you're you're totally right. Uh, thank you for bringing mm-hmm. that up. Yeah. Yeah, my my crackpot theory confirmed. Um, <laughs> but uh, what this has me wondering, um, and and this gets me back. So <laughs> we watched this last night, and um. We're done, you know, and we have to, of course, pause and have the discussion about the ship of thesis, um, or, or rather, the the, the bunny question, and then yes. we have to, um, then we have to cry, and then we have to watch the scenes at the end, and then after all of that, um, my daughter, who has seen Thor Ragnarok many, many, many times, it's like her favorite MCU movie, says, "Doctor Strange lives a state over." you're telling me he wouldn't have been interested in this massive amount of magic that they had going on. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I don't know, honey. I'm sure. And she goes, he has a list of people who are threats. He said so in Thor Ragnarok. And we went back and we watched the scene and I was like, right. And there's the scene where like Dr. Strange introduces himself to Thor and he's like, I keep a list of individuals and your brother's on that list. And you know, my, and and my daughter says, so why wasn't Agatha on the list? Why wasn't, you know, why wasn't Agatha mm-hmm. on the list? Why wasn't Wanda on the list? And I'm like, that's a great question. And so I'm going to bring it to you two. And, I, and I have a theory for let's, that. Let's I have an answer for that. Yes. 
I have an answer yes, to that. Yes, why wasn't Agatha or well, Wanda they, on his They list? are on the list, mm-hmm. right? They weren't a oh. problem when he's sitting in the room with Thor because he's obviously worried about other stuff. And why oh. wasn't he intervening for the last few days? Because it's really only been, the hex has been up in real time only for about three or four days. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't been okay. trapped in there uh, for months or something. So I figured it was stra- like an episode a day, so it's been like a week. Yeah, at, at, mo- yeah. at most, I would say. So S- Strange is not always on the Earth. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes he finds a threat and he has to fight it elsewhere. I mean, you know, Infinity War. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the other th- thing is he's not always in this dimension, Right. Uh, he could have been distracted by uh, Baron Mordo, right? So uh, he's got other uh, battles to take. And I suspect that when Multiverse of Madness starts, we're going to hear that rationale, why he didn't do anything there. You know, we're going to hear, I've had my eye on you for a long time. Yeah, I, um, I had forgotten that it was New York. And so, yeah, he's like... You know, a short car trip away. He's like a path but, ride away, right? Isn't path the name of the train that goes through the, the yeah. city? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I had forgotten that he was quite that close, but I just presumed uh, in this case, the doctor was not in. Mm. Like there's something else happening. And so uh, like Don, mm-hmm. um, I presume that, that um, some chunk of this is going to end up answered in like another story. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of like, that's going to lead me to, um, the rest of my conversation, the rest of like some of my thoughts about the the episode, which are that, um, I think that, uh, this goes in knowing that it's a piece of a larger story. And I think that's why we didn't get all of the stuff we thought we'd get Mm. out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, my primary unanswered question and I think Don's primary unanswered question are as of now unanswered and we're we're done getting episodes of one division so um well well, why don't we move to those because i would love to hear what your unanswered questions are Uh, i have a theory i have a theory for some of the answers now kelly Mm -hmm. since we talked yesterday yeah i i do too um so my primary unanswered question is who is jimmy's witness because we never did find out yeah Mm -hmm. still don't know who it is and uh i'm still very curious about this and the reason it clangs in my mind the way that it does is because that was the impetus of a lot of what we saw because the whole reason that Jimmy is involved the whole reason Monica is involved the whole reason Monica is now Photon or -hmm. whatever they decide to call her is because she showed up because the FBI said they needed somebody and Hayward Heelward sent her off to do that and so that's how the two of them got mixed up in the hex. That's, you know, the whole reason this happened is because Jimmy's out there looking for somebody and he can't find them. And so what happened with that? Um, my hope is that um, this is a piece of a larger story and that we will get that payoff. It's just not going to be in the TV show. And that's a separate conversation about like series finales and, and all of that. And, you know, how well they answer the questions and did they answer everything? Are they obligated to answer everything? You know, um, 
And I think the answer is no, they don't have to answer 100%. But if you're going to hinge the plot around this particular item and then never tell me who it was and you don't even like wink at me in a post credit scene or something about mm-hmm. who the witness actually was that he was looking for. That is um, disappointing. That that I'm 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 frustrated by. I've made my peace with it by telling myself that it's part of a larger story and we're gonna find out in Multiverse of Madness or the Black Widow movie. I know it's a prequel or mm-hmm. whatever. Um we're going to like I feel like that is going to pay off, but it's like a game of it's like a Game of Thrones length long game. And while I appreciate the long game, there's long and there's long. And this is too long. Ah. Because they're playing so much within the TV structure. Mm-hmm. Give me the TV structure where the thing that launched a lot of the plot into the next gear is the thing that you need to go back and pay off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You I can't agree. give me Chekhov's witness and then <laughs> not have it go off at the end of the show. No, I, I saw that. When I saw it, I was like, oh, Kelly's going to be so mad they never answered the question of who the witness was. (laughs) Yes, it could be a MacGuffin, but uh, I agree with uh, Kelly. It's it's likely going to pay off later on because we're not we're not seeing the end of Jimmy Woo in the MCU. Obviously, it's too good a character or Darcy Lewis or anybody else. And uh, for all we know, uh, the witness could have been Evan Peters. uh, character oh. Ralph Boner, the infamous <laughs> Ralph Boner. Yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, I I think there's lots of possibilities there, and as do I. And uh, that one, it annoys me a little bit, but it doesn't uh, annoy mm. me as much as as other things. By the way, I wanted to correct <laughs> myself. Uh, my comic stuff, I said Doctor Strange appeared in Tales of Suspense. I'm uh, so stupid. Uh, he appeared in uh, Strange Tales. So uh, ah. first appeared in Strange Tales. Okay. Uh, some of, yes, there you go. Some of the other, what was the other big uh, questions on your list though, Kelly? Because I'm blanking here. Well, that was the biggest one. The other one was uh, Dottie because... <laughs> Oh, and I thought that I thought that Don, I thought you were going to be so mad about that because. Yeah. When, when oh no! I like, I resigned myself and... to her mm. not being, you know, <laughs> a big bad or something. Uh, really, in episode seven, I figured, well, if it's going to yeah. happen, it would happen by now. I really thought. I think she's going to pay off somewhere else too because I think you're right about casting someone like <laughs> her as a bit part. Um, I think she's going to turn up somewhere else later in some way and although i think she's hooked she's connected to uh jack schaefer i think and oh and jack schaefer was like i just really liked working with her so i made sure there was a part for her okay so i that would make sense yeah have we covered the comic section yes we made it to the home i think we're 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 uh in the foyer of the home for wayward theories right now um uh, like so, I I really hope that pays off. Like I I, I really want to know what that is. Um, whatever you know, maybe we'll get more Jimmy in the next whatever the next chapter of the Ant Man saga is. Um, like I was sort of trying to riff on it. Like where where would the rest of that go? And that's what makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, where I don't know where we're gonna go with the rest of it. But my hope, mm-hmm. like. My hope going into this was that it was going to be something that was going to give us an interesting 
bit of storytelling that was going to further illustrate the stuff we already got from the films. That's what I wanted out of it. And for the most part, that's what I got, except that they leaned so hard into TV and, you know, the sitcoms were all, uh, you know, very, like, very well, like, impeccably crafted homages to, you know, each of the eras. And, like, you know, in the last year, who among us has not been a person trapped in a bubble trying to comfort themselves with te- with old TV? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a um, little on the nose there, Marvel. Um <laughs> And and that's gonna keep <laughs> kinda... that's gonna continue until we all get our Fauci ouchie. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, yes. Um, the television watching will continue until morale is improved. By the way, I just <laughs> until realized, herd immunity so, is improved. So uh Jimmy's probably gonna be in Ant Man and the Wasp, right? The next He movie. was in like whatever Ant Man th- is there gonna be an Ant Man three? Uh I don't yeah. Know. The... I can't keep track anymore. Yeah. I since we since we hit record, Marvel's re- Marvel's released plans for another five Marvel movies. So well, no, no, no. He, it's Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Mania. I think it's going to be called or some oh, stupid it's Quantum name. Quantum Mania. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. And so my theory is that uh, maybe this has to do with Kang the Conqueror. I don't know mm. because he's going to be oh. the big bad in that in that movie that might be fun yeah so well i i was wondering like i was sort of wondering about that and i'm sort of disappointed that this tv show got the movie treatment and we can and that i have to resort to it's okay kelly you're gonna find out who the witness is when you move on to the next marvel entertainment unit Mm -hmm. you know um because you can't lean on that in television. That's not how TV works. Well, you know, um, and and it was it was inevitable that they're going to answer maybe two, three, four tops right. of our questions, right? Absolutely. I never expected to get a hundred percent. Let me be clear for the record. That was never my intention. I never thought all of the stuff that we asked here was going to be answered. I never thought they were going to end it with a bow on top. I knew better. Mm-hmm. I knew it going in. Like, just so we're clear. But I really thought that one thing was going to be slightly more important than apparently it was. Well, I, I, I really think Fahey is a big believer in the J.J. Uh, Abrams. Uh, I think it, Damon Lindelof may have coined this term, too. The mystery box. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And... <sighs> But no, the, this is the way you keep franchises going, right? You yeah, you, you give a little and you have well, like the whole white vision thing, right? Yeah. Or, Where did he right. go? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh so But he wasn't part of what shifted the plot into the next right. year. Right. Well here's the question know? for like, you. You know, that's what I keep coming back to. In the first in the first post credit scene. Mm-hmm. And there were two for people who weren't paying attention. There were two yeah, post credit scenes. There was a post credit scene and a post post credit scene. Yeah. yeah, heads Typ- up. Typical Marvel. So when the crawl uh, says, "You know, I'm, I'm a friend of uh, a friend of your mom sent me," which friend of your mom's? Yeah. So is it Nick Fury, or is it the oh. crawl? Jesus, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, the one that's Part- played by Ben Mendelsohn, that guy? Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn, yeah, I right. It was yeah. The... Oh, yeah. I loved Ben I was Mendelsohn. trying to think of the character name, and all I could come up was Ben Mendelsohn, who I love, by yeah. the way, great actor. Yeah, but no, because when she does the, oh, he, and, and oh, a friend of your mom's, and he, and I was like, okay, that eliminates Carol, because there's, you know, r- wrong pronoun. Yeah. Wouldn't Carol, and, yeah. And um, 
Then I, I did. Did anyone else think that was exactly who was going to be waiting in the theater though for just a second? <laughs> no, because I kind of did. No, no, no. I I, oh, I knew they were going to screw no. us. But um, well, I thought it might be her because I thought then Monica would just be furious and that'd be the end. Like because Monica does not want to see her. I don't no. know why. But I, I thought that might happen. So. I feel like she's still really mad that Carol wasn't there for her mom in some way. It's and yeah. she's and she's or grieving that her and... mom caused uh, that Carol caused her mom to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think we could probably narrow down the who the he was by asking ourselves when the Spider-Man Far From Home stuff takes place. Because we know that Nick Fury's up in space by that point. But the question is, <laughs> did that happen simultaneously with WandaVision? Or does that happen a little bit after, since Peter Parker's back in school? And uh, we've yeah. established that WandaVision takes place a few weeks after the blip. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home yet. <laughs> oh, it's not it's on any of my streaming services. So, oh. so you uh, know, no, it, I'm not going to. Uh, it is on mine. Oh, okay. Oh um, my God! I, no, I yeah. Don't if you to... if you sign up for Don Flicks, Lisa, okay. then <laughs> it's it's a thing. Um, Talos is his name uh, from Captain Marvel. Yeah. So I'm just gonna assume it's Talos for now, because um, I really love the idea of Maria Rambo like routinely having these guys over for Thanksgiving and like every year they're like, oh my God, this stuff gets amazing, and then they faff <laughs> off to space again. So do we think it could be Agent Coulson? No, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with the chronology and all of this, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, so. um, I no, figured I, the pointing up was was another scroll because that's why this particular scroll was sent to talk to Monica. Was just my presumption. So, headcanon. There it is. Well, they yep. want her up in space for some reason, and mm-hmm. uh, given that she's uh, somebody who's pretty comfortable around other species, period. Yeah. My suspicion is the squirrels probably find her more useful. <laughs> maybe they, well, maybe she registered on some sort of squirrel radar or something yeah. now that she's photon. We go way back. Oh, I don't think Monica. that's, I, I don't think that's the case. I, so if I had to spin it out, it would be that yeah. Tal- Talos and crew are tight with the Rambo family mm-hmm. and were, Which we know, and they were also affected by the blip along with everybody else. And now that they have, um, and they've had their agents working on the ground too, and one of them going, oh my God, this Hayward guy, what is the deal? And um, <laughs> then as this has been unfolding, she's been calling or emailing Talos on the regular like group texting, I don't know. And she's like, okay, you won't believe Hayward's being a complete you know turkey but that's like the least of our problems um monica 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 rambo has just pushed herself through the wall and magically transmogrified herself and we can't see her anymore oh my god oh my god oh my god and she gets a message back on the group text that says well if you see her again i'd like to know what happened so send her up and yeah and and that's that's probably where they are with that and uh Okay. Then they'll be like, okay, that, her powers are that just fits kind of a bonus. In, that fits in my head canon, Lisa. Yeah. That fits yeah. in my head canon. I, I feel like I feel like if any group of people would, would actually conduct like interstellar communications over group text and fly under everyone's radar, it's the scrolls. Absolutely. So Yep. You know, I mean, we know that they've infiltrated um we know that everything. Yeah, exactly. Which is um both excellent and terrifying and sets us up nicely for secret wars um so this leads into my new pet crackpot theory which is that hayward is actually a scroll only he's from like a different faction 
And the reason he had everybody grounded on Earth was because he wanted to do something where it benefits him and his little nut bar faction to keep people away from space where they can make alliances and get other people interested in their cause. But if he gets himself some sentient weapons, then he can go and attack the rest of the scroll people he's on the outs with. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Because this is a dude who is way too invested in having sentient weapons he could easily control. And Mm -hmm. it was not the type of Tony Stark level paranoia where Tony Stark was like, no, really, I've fought aliens. It's terrifying. I want to make sure this never happens again. This was a guy who's like, I just think this is a big, powerful weapon. And if anybody needs a big, powerful weapon, it needs to be me. And And he was so good at doing that, that even the weapon figured out it was so that he could be more easily controlled. But then, like, he has this huge heel turn. Like, the minute where he grabs the gun and goes shooting at superpowered children, I was like, this is a spectacularly stupid move. (laughs) Like, you know, this is why you're just acting director and not actual director. Um, (laughs) But this is a dumb... This is why we can't have nice things, Hayward. Well, like, who would do that, I guess, is the question. Yep. Like, yep. why would you do that when it, when, when it makes more sense to take them hostage? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's the point where something in his little scroll rebel alien brain broke. And he's like, I'm just going to kill things. And yeah. then we find out... Um, then we find out that Monica truly has like the same sort of like A-list heroic personality that Carol has and mm-hmm. and the other members of the Avengers have because without hesitation, she steps in front of the kids and is like, yes, I can absorb these bullets. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to point out and get your thoughts on this. Um, I have seen critiques in online forums saying it's super problematic to have a black woman um, put herself in the line of fire for white children. What? And um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've seen those critiques where they're like, maybe there were other ways that they could have demonstrated her heroism and the symbolism here where, where, where black people exist as a way to um, protect, you know, white self-interest. They, they, some people who, who, who watch the scene have found it troubling. And I, I wanted to get your temperature on I, what you I'm thought the, when you saw that scene. I'm, I'm an old white guy, so I, sh- I really need to shut the shield up. Uh, I did not see it that way. I saw it as a as an adult trying to protect children. Yeah. I saw it as Monica Monica rushing to save them because Monica was uh Monica was was, you know, law enforcement mm-hmm. and wants to save people who are in danger. And I didn't read any more into it. I really think when I when she did that I didn't know what was going to happen and I'm not sure she did either at that point, you know, because like we don't know what she knows about her powers and their limits and mm-hmm. their their parameters. Mm-hmm. So not even just like what's the maximum that she can do, but like what what's available to her aside from being able to sort of see energy because we, we saw that a couple of times at that point. So. I didn't know, like, I just thought she really was going to run in front of them and, like, hope that her, um, you know, astronaut underwear was going to be bulletproof. Like, I really didn't think that she thought about it that much except to save somebody. So I just I just saw it that way. Mm. And then because she seemed sort of surprised when the bullets went in and, like, kind of nothing happened. Mm. Um you know, and then she has the moment where, uh, you know, game recognized game. And the two of them are like, this, that was a pretty neat trick. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty neat trick, too. And, 
you know, and had that moment and then just moved on from it. So I didn't see it as, as anything either. Yeah. But that said, that's not for me to make that judgment. Right. And I don't think it's for me either, you know? So yeah, I, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't see it. I didn't see it that way, but I was also, um, you know, more caught up in what's going to happen. Cause I really did think what's going to happen to Monica. Can she get shot? Is it just going to ricochet? What happens here? So I was more caught up in that than I was yeah. the 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 dynamics, I guess, yeah. of that no, situation. Because, no, so. uh, yeah, I was, I was wondering because my first instinct was this was meant to be actually a character developing moment for her. Um, the mm-hmm. same way this whole episode is a character developer for Wanda. Yeah. This, this, this is, um, it points out that even when this woman is confused and angry and grieving and having just been turned into... Um, photon she's still somebody who will reflexively act on her values first thing Mm -hmm. like um and then you know like i said i started reading some of this stuff and was like what blindness what cultural blindness am i bringing into this what am i not seeing and it's always really helpful to get other perspectives on it um yes it is because yeah because i think i think uh as i said you know old white guy again here uh there's an enormous amount of cultural baggage that I bring into something always, which is, which is why it's often valuable, uh, valuable to view and discuss these things with people with, uh, uh, with other perspectives being in a, um, I guess what they'd call back, in the dark times, uh, mixed marriage, uh, you know, I get a little self-conscious about those kinds of things, uh, sometimes, but it doesn't, I can tell you, it doesn't imbue you with extra, it doesn't imbue, imbue you with a hall pass or extra insight. You're just still as stupid <laughs> as you were before. <laughs> you're just stupid and married to your favorite person <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah. counts yeah the other argument i saw online and i wanted to unpack this one with you guys because it bothered me enough to be like ah, and and roll it around in my head is um i saw another argument where someone said Ag- agatha is actually the hero of the series because when she got when she when she found this big mess of chaotic magic she came in, she started figuring out how to try and neutralize the threat, i.e. Wanda Maximoff. And she's always laid out Wanda's choices and forced the whole, do you want to do this? Why are you doing this to these people? Um, You know, look at what you're doing to these people. And then, you know, Wanda, you're a force of chaos. You're the worst thing that could possibly happen if you're the Scarlet Witch. So the argument is that Agnes is actually your, your heroine of the show and Wanda's the villain for both thwarting Agnes, Agatha, and then the fate that she assigns to Agatha. So, um, and, and my first thought was, oh, come on. Um, which is never really the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's mine. And it's, it's for me, it comes down to motivation. Yeah. Um, she was backing Wanda into these corners and trying to force Wanda to make these choices mm-hmm. because she wanted Wanda to, uh, she she was trying to force Wanda to give up, to give yeah. up her magic and give it to Agatha so that she could really go to town because mm-hmm. that's what she wanted to have happen. So she wasn't doing it 
to help Wanda through her grief. She wasn't doing it to force Wanda to face anything. She was figuring it out so that she could work it to her advantage, which is not, mm-hmm. which I would say it doesn't make her a good guy. It makes her important to the story, but it doesn't make her, it doesn't make her a hero because she was doing it to figure out how she could get it for herself because, you know, she, she did all the work and practiced and practiced for, centuries and can't do half of what Wanda can do and she wants to because she knows how to do it she knows how to use it you know all the stuff we saw from her um uh last week you know like yeah I can do this and I know how and I did I put in the time and I did all the work and and how dare you you know uh outclass me in pure unadulterated power so I'm gonna take it from you and I'm gonna fix it and I'm going to make everything okay for you by you letting me be even more ridiculously powerful than I already am. Yeah. It, it reminds like me of, I don't feel like that's a good look for a hero. Yeah. It's, it's reminds me of the opening uh, monologue by Dr. Horrible, right? <laughs> it's just, just, you know, I have to, I have to rule the world. You know, it's all screwed up. I had, I, uh, you know, I can't be fixed unless I rule it. So uh, uh, yeah. the disappointing thing about the portrayal of Agnes, the, uh, Agatha Harkness in the show mm-hmm. in a way and my my sister brought this up to me uh, mm-hmm. uh after she saw last episode last episode and then this episode but she's come to terms with it is they're kind of making out Agatha Harkness to be the big bad where we're in um the comics she truly was um kind of a chaotic neutral character yeah and she was a mentor to wanda uh and she was not actively trying to suck out her power or whatever although she lied she hypnotized she did uh other uh questionable things to wanda over the years um i mean she's the one who made wanda forget about billy and tommy so you know, on the good yeah. side, she wouldn't go insane. Uh, so uh, I thought it was an interesting out that they left themselves that Wanda could uh, Wanda could come back. But it was very clear that Wanda did not was not going to lose any sleep over the fact that she did that to Agatha. Yeah, let's talk just mm-hmm. just and everybody who's listening to this, I'm sure has watched the episode. But what Wanda effectively does is she slams she erases um Agatha's awareness that she's Agatha Harkness witch and turns her into Agnes the nosy neighbor and mm. consigns her to life in Westview as the nosy neighbor <laughs> um leaving her behavior stuck somewhere in the 50s or 60s <laughs> yeah um she called her hot stuff and hun yeah and, yeah so um you know what Wanda's essentially done is just been like yeah your personality I, I eh, it's not working for me this one is funk <laughs> So, um, you know, I found myself, I wouldn't say troubled by that, so to speak, but I think that also points to um, a trait of Wanda's that has gone either unnoticed or unappreciated, which is that this is somebody who has, um, wow, she, she, like, she just does not hesitate to act when, when, when she's like, I'm threatened. Boom. Here we go. Um, because once yeah. she had Agna- Agatha right where she wanted her, she was like, yeah, you know, there's, there's no more time for negotiation, things like that. Um, yeah. the way I was looking at the whole Agatha thing was, um, 
she makes arguments that are good arguments if they are true. Like when she's arguing that Wanda's uh, Wanda's embrace of chaos magic means the end of the world. And when she argues that, um, you know, Wanda's just a hot mess and, and needs help and all that. These things may well be true. <laughs> right. But like you say, Kelly, it's not her. She wasn't doing any of this out of altruistic motivations. And mm-hmm. then when she's when she's like, I take power from the undeserving part of like, oh, my God, she's like a magic vampire. She vampires it out of people. And yeah. like we she never says what she would do with Wanda's power if she had it. She just says that Wanda shouldn't have it. Right. So that was the other thing, too, is is it was not is I'm going to suck out your power and then stick it in a ball and send it over to the good folks at uh, Camertage. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like I, I'm going to FedEx that to someone else. Like, she never, like, it, it was very much like her being judge, jury, and executioner over whether or not Wanda gets to be a witch, let alone the Scarlet Witch. So, and, you know, like you said, like, she starts out with a good argument. Like, Wanda, you're kind of a disaster right now. Look what you're doing to everybody. Oh, my gosh, you're right. Yeah, now let me have your magic so I can fix that for you. Mm, hard pass. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so, so, you know, I saw that argument and I was like, I guess it all comes down to how you define uh, protagonist or hero. And um, then that got me thinking, is Wanda arguably the protagonist of this series or is she just the, the character who put everything into motion? Like, who would you say is the hero in this series? Hmm. I guess it depends on, on what you want to call the hero, because it feels like, you know, she did all of this because of vision and it is because of vision that she can see that it's wrong. And he helps her to see that she needs to undo it, Mm -hmm. which includes him and helps her understand her relationship to him, her grief over losing him. And, you know, that, and that she, you know, that, that her love is, you know, is is the motivator here because she loves him so much that she can't let him go and her grief made manifest gave him back so i feel like you know if if you want to look at it that way then it might be him because he's kind of what saved the day by helping her realize all of this uh, let me just say as a as a as a bad writer it's totally wanda i mean she's the person on the hero's journey from beginning to end and so you don't necessarily have to be heroic. I agree with Kelly that vision here, her memory of vision uh, was the person who was truly heroic, uh, mostly convincing Wanda to do the right thing and also accepting as a memory, his own fate. But the journey, the journey is totally Wanda's from beginning to end. Yeah. Cause she does reach a new stage of grief. Yes. By the by the end of it. I think yeah. that's I think that's part of it is the um I think what still bugs me on Wanda's behalf is but you know maybe this is actually something to be said about trauma and grief is although you can be buoyed by um the community around you when you're going through this it's ultimately something you have to do for yourself so it's it's really fitting that Wanda flies off by herself. Like she doesn't make yeah. friends with Monica. They understand each other but they're not friends. Um, yes. Right. And uh, then she's off in a cabin alone <laughs> making tea while she uh, figures out how to get her powers under control. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it does have a very end of the Western feel to it, as it were, where, you know, the gunslinger retires their guns and walks out of town and, and nobody goes <laughs> with them. <laughs> we sort of, if we go into this show, because there's five stages of grief, right? So if we go into this show and we understand that, like, when we come in, she's still sort of, like the shock phase has happened. So in my high school sociology class, I remembered it as DABDA, which was denial, anger, bargaining, bargaining, despair, and then acceptance. Despair, acceptance. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if we go into it presuming like we've made it through shock, like Mm -hmm. the first couple of episodes of WandaVision are denial, right? And then, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, we get to the 80s and we see the anger. And then we get to despair. And I feel like by the end of it, you know, her and Vision looking out the window together is acceptance. Yeah. I mean, earlier than that, like, you know, when he says, um, I know, you know, I know, I know mom will set it right, you know, but, but not us, you know, or whatever it is he says. Um, Like that moment is sort of when she comes to acceptance as well, because she knows he has. So it it really feels like we kind of watch Wanda go through all of these because we see a little bit of the shock, you know, because we 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 get caught up on how we got here, right? That that he got that she had to kill him, and then and that was bad enough, and then someone else came back came in and went, no, let's back up thirty seconds because I want to do it, and then he does, and then backs it up, and now he has to die again in front of her again, um, you know, and then we go from there, so. Um, I feel like we kind, you know, we kind of spent the time through this, and I think we did get partway through, um, you know, one of my very early theories, which was that uh, nobody's fighting Wanda. Uh, you know, it's it's we're fighting Wanda's grief because Wanda's grief. It was nice to be a tiny bit right about a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it it feels it feels a little like we just went through that with like we went through the stages with her through this because we get to acceptance where um you know everything she did in the hex is is unmade and she's just standing there in the empty foundation of what was to be their house and then leaves what did you guys think when you got when we got to that shot where everything was gone even her wedding ring and it, she was back in the same clothes that we saw her in when she visited sword and she's back um in the foundations of the house and the Buick is still there <laughs> and um, she leaves the Buick. She leaves the deed. What did you guys think when, when it all finally goes away and she's there in the foundation of the house? Well, I thought clearly the Buick was a rental then. Uh, <laughs> so sorry. I just, it gotten a little too no. dark here. So I thought we needed that. Yeah. I, I thought that, uh, I thought that it was inevitable. That was the way that it, it had to end and to get to Kelly's point about acceptance, she had to get to, she had to go through all of that and get to the point where she was going to survive all of those losses. Yeah. Uh, and, and figure out a way to come through that. The other loss that she had is, you know, like the one she told Monica when she walked to the center of the town, the townspeople are never going to greet her or understand her. She wasn't even going to try on that one. She was going to leave them alone forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a scale of BuzzFeed list two, I need to go have a lie down. How horrifying <laughs> or how horrified were you 
when the townspeople um, start telling Wanda what effect she's actually had on them. It was really sad to me. Yes. To, 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 because, because every one of them was staring right down the lens at you, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, they're each looking, you know, me right in the eye and going, when we go to sleep, we have your nightmares. And like, and I'm not Wanda, but I wouldn't wish my my nightmares on other people, let alone a whole town of them. Uh, you know, it, it seemed it it felt really because I feel like Wanda's really empathetic to people, mm-hmm. and you know, and and can feel them and everything. And so I felt like she like that was just really driving it home for her. And so it it felt. It felt very sad. I totally get why mm-hmm. she lashed out. We we've seen that um, she's not always the best at reacting appropriately to a situation, yeah. and you know, and did the same here, uh, very on brand for Wanda. But uh, it seemed it did seem uh, it it was really sad to me that mm-hmm. that she was getting a very clear picture of what had happened, and I think she felt bad because. Uh, you know, because maybe she didn't realize because she said, you know, that's not what's happening. That can't be what's happening. And I think when it finally hit home for her, you know, she did legitimately feel bad about it. Don, how about you? I, I would agree with Kelly that it it was clear that this was like not the height of her despair, but it was very, very close. And then when she had that very natural uh, reaction, you know, to shut them all up. She was basically asphyxiating them all. Um, And it's like, oh, my God, God, what am I doing? And so, uh, yeah, that that got really uncomfortable and awkward to watch. And I stepped back from that on the second viewing, and I had to step back from... um, the tearjerker parts a little bit, or I was just going to have blurry vision for doing this show uh, again, because I did another rewatch before we started. (laughs) And I had to admire the filmmaking, uh, the craft of all of this to be able to take you through that roller coaster. And then I thought about this whole nine episodes as a, as a single work. And I thought back to, where they pulled this through. And in a sense, I kind of felt like Wanda at the beginning because once I figured out that townspeople were being manipulated, I took some glee in learning, you know, in their predicament. This is sad and sick. But also seeing how when we got a scene of the town as it was before, how, what a real bunghole that town was. Uh, <laughs> And 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 Wanda was right. They were actually better off in a way with uh, with her reality. They they had better jobs, uh, that's for sure. And so, I respect the filmmakers for taking me on that roller coaster and mm-hmm. doing to me what was happening to that character. That that skill. That yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when they can hit you in so many different fields, it's not just the easy, uh, they shot old Yeller moment, you know, that's a gimme, <laughs> uh, but it's the other stuff. Um, I, it, it is truly, uh, you know, there's so many television series that start with W, I realized looking at my 
my Plex library that are true favorites of mine, uh, and this is now one of them. It's going to be sad in a way that there's not another season of this. Although I think there's something to be said for doing one season where you tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's it. What I wanted to ask, because these are things we were, we were kicking around before we hit record. Um, how well how well do you think this episode landed the plane, so to speak, on this season of WandaVision? Like, did this episode help the whole series make the whole, the whole sequence of nine episodes? Did this episode, like, do, do you feel like this episode helped it all make sense and um, was a satisfying conclusion? Yes, but I can understand the argument from other people that it was not a satisfying conclusion <laughs> because I think there's a lot of people who want everything wrapped up. And I'm here to tell you, you know, you're not getting an egg in your beer. You know, the, it's not Christmas. That's not the way this stuff works. So for me, I was very, very happy with the way this wound up because of the experience I had watching it. And I cannot mm -hmm. imagine watching this in a Netflix drop it it would not have had the same impact absolutely not well i i guess the question um because this was all oh, this was another tweet that um got out and um i was like oh this is a take to have someone was like won't someone think of the fans feelings and just drop everything at once instead of this one episode a week monkey shines and um i i, I, I just wanted to sucker punch that person when i heard about that <laughs> well I, I think one of the reasons we were able to sit with this show and come back to it again and again is because you do have the luxury of, of the space and the time in which to do that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And and um, the other thing is, I would argue it makes sense if you have a show where television is the defining metaphor of the show. Um, it makes sense to take advantage of one of television's up until extremely recent foundational um aspects which was the serialized storytelling right and well and I, I would argue that, that it's like, still okay, serialized i would argue yeah. that it's still serialized because this was serialized <laughs> yeah well I, yeah. I think i'm not articulating uh the the serialized quality i mean but if you look at how we even in like the the quote-unquote early days of of the golden age of tv and so on and so forth yes we had dvrs but you know if you binged it was solely because you spent like three or four weeks not watching tv and then you caught up all at once um right and that's a very different experience than say when netflix drops all of the episodes of stranger things at once and you're like oh my right. god how fast do i have to watch this before people are crapping at my timeline with spoilers um and so so up until up until I'd say even Netflix um television was still a medium in which one of its big strengths was the episodic nature and the space that you get between story beats where you have a chance to interact and it's almost like a parasocial relationship where you have a lot invested in it or rather you've invested a lot of your time and attention your mental energy and then a new fix comes along and the process repeats and is very pleasurable <laughs> and right. um WandaVision like totally totally like hit those buttons oh yeah and that was great one yeah. of the other mm -hmm. advantages of doing this weekly over time 
is that people started talking about this in Mm -hmm. the middle of January and it's now the beginning of March and nobody's been able to shut up about it for the last month, you know, couple of months. So I think there's, you know, there's a certain amount of that too. You know, everybody wins. You get the moment to sit with it and think it through and watch it again. Uh, you know, which is the thing that, that, you know, this is all like, these are all tactics that Don and I used to use on the last show we watched that started with a W that we used to podcast about. Uh-huh. And um, you get to spend that week and watch it again. And, you know, once you've seen it and you get to the end and you know how it ends, when you go back and watch it again, maybe it's a little different or maybe you pick up on something else because you're not caught up in what's happening. Like, you know how it turns out. So now you can see all those other little things like the kid on the side of the milk container or, you know, what the runes actually say or what the other page of the book is, of, yeah. you know, the book of the, the book of the damned is or whatever. And you get the opportunity to go back and sit with those and really take a look and, and check it out and, and, you know, spin up whatever crazy theory you want, you know, with, with Westworld, I think we built two different wings on the house of crackpot <laughs> theories with that show. It's like the Winchester mystery house of crackpot theories at this point, like just perpetual construction. At least it was an entire estate. It was an entire estate. We were <laughs> the philoli of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, we we had architected a city. Yeah, it, yeah. that's 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 the compound of crackpot theories. Yeah, um, it's a gated community of crackpot theories. Now. Yeah, oh, can um, you imagine what the HOA is like? <laughs> I can because it's my house. Oh, um, so now I feel like I have to go write those. Oh man. No, all right, if anybody who's listening is in TV development, I want you to take our idea of an HOA in the compound of crackpot <laughs> theories and please let us develop a show. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh my um, gosh. I I really enjoyed I mean, like this is the last one of these that we're going to do, so this is the part Don knows what's coming. This is the part where I get a little bit sappy and like the best part of getting to do this was to sit and talk with the two of you. Yeah. About it and exactly. kick around the theories. And you know, I think um the Maximoff Overdrive Twitter account posted like here's an exchange from every episode. Well, here's the thing I thought. Well, uh-huh. I just assumed that was this totally other thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I never thought about it like that. And that happens when I get to sit and talk with you two over and over and over again. And it's so interesting because each of us brings our own stuff to it and our own perspective and getting to have that opportunity, not just to talk about it in, you know, in a thread over at the incomparable or, you know, the group text with whoever else, uh, you know, and, and get chatty about it on Twitter, but to, to sit and get to do this part Mm -hmm. with you two, that's also like, that's probably my favorite piece of this and if it been if we binge it all at once like it would be weird and you know we wouldn't have a good schedule for it or any of that kind of stuff so it would be uh it would be hard yeah i i can't imagine ever doing one of these podcast shows with the big netflix type drop things i mean it just it would just how would that work oh my god can you even imagine um (laughs) What's also kind of fun about this, and and one of the things I have found fun about the social aspect of having a week between these and um, getting to internalize your beats on how you watch are there are now moments in the shows that I find intensely pleasurable or interesting because I know that they're going to, you know, ping your attention as well. Well, Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. For example, when Dottie runs towards Wanda and she says, no, my name is actually Sarah. I have an eight-year-old daughter you know 
we'd be a great storyline. Please just let her become the boy's friend. I just want my, to, to have my daughter out of her room so I can hold her again. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. I thought, oh my God, her performance at the fundraiser where she and everyone else are chanting for the children is is basically like a collective scream for help. It's them yes. begging. And yeah. it's so great that that penny drops six or seven weeks later when you've had all this time to think about, what is the deal with the creepy chanting of for the children? And then you realize that that Westview in its own way, like Wanda's grief suffocated them, but they're still tapped into each other as a community too. You know, because mm-hmm. they do the same thing when they have the, the, the collective reading of the email in Vision's office is it's all of them all. Oh, please, for the love of God, someone pay attention to what's going on here. Like they're they're please. unified. They're underlining what's going on. But like, I don't think I would have paid as much attention if Don had not been on the Dottie train so early. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, serious. And I'm I serious. paid attention. I yeah. paid attention to that, too, because I went, oh, that's Lisa's for the children and yeah. Don's Dottie train. Yes. Oh man! Yes. Yeah, this is this is totally what for me. This is what makes it worth it to do this because, you know, I I, I do a little prep before we do the shows. I you know review some notes, review the, uh, the stuff on Wikipedia. Who doesn't do that stuff? But what I really enjoy is not going by those notes or even going by the format. I I just enjoy the discussion <laughs> from you guys, and. And finding out stuff that I, I just didn't even think about. I mean, I'm always um, I'm always humbled by how much you both uh, bring. And I'm just slapping myself thinking, why didn't I see that? Uh, and so uh, it's just a it's a, a delight for me. It's a privilege for me. And so. Uh, the other thing I will say is it's not just talking to you. It's that uh, I uh, the people who comment to us on the outside, uh, be it family members who know that we're doing the show and we're watching the series. Like you know, my wife makes comments to me. And my uh, my uh, sister. I have a couple other friends who do, and the folks on uh, Twitter, for example, yes. uh, who mm-hmm. have made uh, just some marvelous comments and done some of their own very very interesting theorizing uh that's just a uh, delight and then you go out and sniff around the rest of the internet and you see my god there's crazy all around us i mean (laughs) (laughs) the funny thing is uh, for me especially finding out i guess it was on friday morning i found this out from a friend of mine on online and confirmed by my sister this show is like so popular that we decided to 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 follow and podcast about the show is so popular that disney plus went offline friday morning because oh, i heard wow. about that it crashed yeah, yeah people couldn't get in it was unavailable yeah, because my, of the stampede my my sister got up early to watch the show like the rest of the Western civilization. Apparently. Western civilization. And she thought, oh, that was really good. I, I'm going to watch this other show on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I guess I'm not. <laughs> no, you're not. Because <laughs> it's not there anymore. So, uh, Oh, my gosh. That's... Wow. Oh, that poor IT team. I'm just imagining... Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they knew this was coming. And do you know, that is also one of the reasons why they drop it at the time that they do. They drop it at midnight Pacific time. Our time. Mm-hmm. We're all, all three of us are in Pacific time, by the way, folks. 
which is and nice. uh, mm-hmm. they do that because um, it actually works out worldwide with the load better. Yeah, because the East Coast is asleep at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah, so we don't have to worry about them quite as much. So the West Coast isn't always staying up quite that late. There's probably lower traffic at midnight for that. Um, so yeah, I could see that. I don't know how that stacks up in other time zones, but I could see that penciling out. Yeah. Yeah. The the problem Disney did not count on is that this was the final episode and basically around the world, everybody stayed up. It didn't matter. There were people in the UK that I talked to, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, uh, what time of the morning was it there when it dropped? But they're nine hours ahead of us. So that would have been nine in the morning. Yeah. 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 They were, they were, they were foregoing, uh, going to work and doing other things and, you know, just watching the show because of course that's what you do. I guess the question I have is, is we're all locked down. So, you know, what is this, what is this going to work business? <laughs> uh, good That's point. True. Good point. Yeah. But, um, well, actually I shouldn't say, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm also dismissing. I, I, I wasn't thinking about essential workers and people who have self to go in. And I apologize for that. But yeah, there's still a lot of people who are like, Oh, you, you could always like have it streaming on a device while you're, you know, eating breakfast check or checking your email or whatever. You know, there's yeah. a fair amount of people who probably, uh, you know, woke up early or whatever to watch it early in the morning so that they could watch it again that night or whatever. And, I, you know, I'm I'm sure there's a certain amount of that, too, because, yeah, I do remember hearing that there was an outage. Definitely. Like, and I think there's a lot of people watching this who were not necessarily MCU folks either, uh, which is not to discount that, you know, the last two movies made a billion bucks a piece or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was. Um, but I think there's probably a lot of people that this reeled, reeled them in to that world after getting you know a very human story out of what's supposed to be comic book stuff speaking of and this is the last big um uh you know people are saying type question i want to toss at you guys (laughs) again because we talk about this stuff and you're the people i talk about with this show um (laughs) but i noticed that a lot of pop culture critics found this show challenging in one of two aspects one, if they were comics fans, they were really put off by like the first few episodes. Like they just did not like where the show was going and what it was doing and did not know what was going on. Um, yeah. I have also noticed that people who write about TV for a living were like really into the show until about episode seven. And then like once it got oh. a little bit more classic MCU and um, and all that, they were like, what happened to my show, which was about fun TV homage? <laughs> I was going to give them till episode five, so I'm surprised it took till seven. Yeah. Uh, I figured the TV folks would have checked out about the middle. So. Yeah. But what I wanted to what I wanted to ask you guys was, as people who clearly like both television and comics, um, do you think the show might have been weighted more heavily towards one constituency over the other? Or do you think that there might be something that neither side is seeing while they're busy screaming about getting your peanut butter into my chocolate and my chocolate into your peanut butter? Well, for me personally, I I have so many facets to my nerdery. It's really hard for me to <laughs> to split that, you know, hair and and understand that. And also, I. Uh, I'll be blunt. I find people that, you know, have to have something exactly one way uh, to be annoying and boorish. So uh, I I (laughs) tend to avoid them. Uh, 
I I don't know. I mean, I this was so the exact discussion when Watchmen was out uh, a year and a, a year and a half ago on HBO. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, oh my lord! Yeah. And I just, I just ignored that that question. Then I, I'm not disparaging you, Lisa, but it's like yeah. I don't care. You know, well, yeah, I, I found it super interesting that people who make a living um, talking about when a medium exploits the conventions of of its its narrative in one way or another when they're assessing mm-hmm. this medium, I found it super interesting that. Like, dude, comics are a great form of serial, visual serial storytelling, and so is television. So, like, mm-hmm. why not see how these two go together? Well, and also, yeah. like, you get a new comic every week. You get a new episode of television every yeah. week. You you know, like, there are a lot of parallels. So, to me, it made sense. Now, I will say, I had no idea what was happening at the beginning. Yeah. And I know that there are people who have no patience with that. Mm. Um, I need to know what I'm in for. And, uh, you know, these are the same people who said that who who would have dismissed Westworld for uh, the same sorts of reasons. Like, I don't get what this is. I don't know what they're doing. I can't tell where they're headed. And I'm not about that. I need a show with some predefined guardrails. This is what's happening. And and I can just sort of sit there and not have to pay attention. And uh, I appreciate a show that assumes. um, I don't remember what the quote is, but it's something like. You know, um, if you if you assume everyone's a poet and a philosopher, then they will be kind of a thing. Um, I like a show that takes for granted that the audience has a certain amount of intellect and is going to be able to keep up. And when you toss in a scene at the end of a 50 sitcom that shows somebody watching it on TV and making notes in a notebook, that they're going to hang on to that and want to know what that is and pay attention and sit with it for an entire week yeah. until the next episode to give them more insight. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I really appreciate that. And I can see why the TV people thinking they were just going to get a stack of different decades of sitcoms yeah. might be grumpy that that's not what they ended up with. And I can see, like, I can see why. Yeah, it's not a police procedural. You know, I yeah. I, I will pay good money. Oh, my God. Although, I think Law & Order MCU would be amazing. Yeah. I would love Law & Order MCU. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Don. I just ran right over because I got so excited about that. But, mm-hmm. but, but. But, you know, what we get in this kind of show, which is, like I said, you know, two two androids discuss the ship of Theseus, right? Yes. Yeah, you yes. can't beat yeah. that for me. If uh, that's not peak TV. Yeah, if that's not you know? peak TV, I don't know uh, what is. It's like, uh, uh, it, it was like Watchmen where uh, uh, a bar, uh, what is it, uh, uh, the title of the episode, the eighth episode, blah blah blah, steps into a bar. Uh, the whole oh, like discussion. Of it. Yes, yes. The whole discussion of time and the perception of time and uh, predestination. Oh, I'm so there for that, and you know, tied up in a yeah. really good uh, drama, and people get punched in the head too. You know, that's <laughs> that's really cool. And so, you know, that's the kind of TV that I want. That's why I I read comics. But my, my comics don't have to match exactly my TV or exactly my movies. This is why I don't have a problem with the MCU and it being different than, you know, the comics I read in my uh, 60s. 
uh, rather not my 60s, in the 60s when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, I'm in my 60s now. The uh, And I, I just, again, want to sucker punch these people who complain about this stuff. It's like, do you realize when I was a kid, my, my older sister and I would talk about and we would like, what if, you know, they ever made an Avengers TV show or movie? Wouldn't that be great? And, you know, we'd cast it with the actors that we knew there and whatever. And, you know, we secretly knew that that would like never happen. Right. Yeah. Flash forward, like, you know, 30, 40 years. And it's like, I'm totally living in the Star Trek future. It's, it's like I've died and went to heaven with all the stuff uh, yeah. around like this. You know, if it doesn't match up, uh, maybe this is better. I don't know. Yeah. Well, did they tell a good story? Like, I feel yeah, like exactly. I have to judge it on its own merits. Like, was it fun to watch each of these episodes? Was it entertaining? Was I engaged? Was it, was I invested? Was it worth the time that I spent? And yes, like in, in all of those cases, like I wouldn't care about the format and I wouldn't care what framework they used to hang the story on. I care about if it was interesting to me and if it was fun and if I enjoyed it and, you know, they got they 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 cast good people. And like, let's talk about Catherine Hahn for a minute. And, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, like if you give like given all of those Dawn. A god walks into a bar. Yeah, God works into your bar. Why couldn't I think of that? <gasps> yeah. So, so anyway, no, no, I completely uh, uh, agree with Kelly here. She, she's like spot on. Preach it, sister. That's the way to go. <laughs> they, you have to evaluate them on, on their own merits. And I, mm -hmm. and we're we're flooded with a lot of the stuff now. You know, be yeah. be thankful that there are nerds running around uh, at Disney who actually care about doing quality stuff. Are they going to give you exactly what you want? No. No. They are not. And that's a good thing. But you'd be bored if you yeah. got exactly what you want. You know? You. I, I was thinking, for example, one of the things I actually really enjoyed about WandaVision in retrospect um, is I really enjoyed how it played with fandom and audience expectations because mm -hmm. you think about the amount of energy invested in trying to figure out what Evan Peters casting meant when it was a troll job. That's all you it was. You could have powered a medium-sized New England city with the the energy expended on that theory. Or think about when uh, Monica says, I have my guy outside doing it. And everybody immediately was like, it's going to be an X-Men. It's going to be the Beast. And then it was like, it's going to be Raven Richards. <gasps> it's going to be Spider-Man. And, and, like, <laughs> and like we were guilty of that too because we're like, oh, there's no way Doctor Strange It's going to be Mephisto, up. right? Well, we thought it yes. was. But, but yes. we were having fun with it. Like, whatever it was, none of us went into it going, and if it's not, I'm done watching forever and I'm swearing off the MCU. Yeah, exactly. What I really liked is, and, and then Paul Bettany's like, oh, it's an actor who always wanted to work with her. Like, is it Magneto? Is it Charles Xavier? <laughs> and like, the thing I love about all of it is at the end, it's all, nerds, wasn't this enough for you? And the answer is, yeah, actually, it was enough because we got nine episodes of a show that demonstrates that people are neither 100% good nor 100% bad and mm -hmm. um, raises and keeps open the question of what you do with somebody who is both prodigiously talented and perhaps not the most psychologically well-balanced and altruistic person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's a story about somebody who is, is grieving 
and mm-hmm. has an identity crisis on top of it and has to solve all of her own problems. And I like that they didn't do fan service. I really appreciate that, to be honest. Like, if they, if they had had, you know... Evan Peters go, well, I have some friends who might be able to help you with that. There's a machine that can help figure it out. We'd all be like, no, yeah. now Cerebro's a thing. Yeah. Now, if they had done it really well in some particular way where it like totally made sense and I was surprised by it, then it would have been great. I mean, for um, all that I complain about, they should have tied it in. Where's Doctor Strange? Like, I do <laughs> like that they didn't do a lot of fan service. Like, I really appreciated that there wasn't a whole lot of, eh, eh, see fans, we listen to you. Like, I liked that they had confidence in the story they were telling and love and respect for the characters and just went in and they're like, either you're going to like it or you're not. And that's part of what, like, and that was part of it for me was, you know, we talked before about how uh, whatever you're doing when you build the world, you have to take the world seriously. And that's what they did. And I really appreciated that about it. And was I wrong about a bunch of stuff? Yeah. And was I surprised by a bunch of stuff? Yeah. And did I have a really good time every Friday sitting down to watch that because I was really looking forward to how I was going to be wrong? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Because it was fun and it was surprising and there was never a moment when I went, you know, even when we when we had the inkling, like, you know, they they'd they'd planted purple purple flowering shrubs outside of Agatha's house and everything you know when we kind of knew who it was still the reveal was fun and you know even the stuff that we that we picked up early and the stuff that we figured out like even even knowing those things it just made it more fun to keep watching at least for me because I'm not one of those people that's like oh well um Agatha's magic was the wrong shade of purple so I can never watch another MCU thing again (laughs) you know like come on so like because I'm not that person. And, like, I, I I have lived most of my life in the Star Wars fandom, so I know mm-hmm. exactly what tenor it is, those folks. Oh, God. Out. Yes. I'm I've so sorry for I've been listening to you. it for a long time. Um, yeah, let me tell you what it's like to be a, a, a girl and a Star Wars fan at the same time in the 70s. Oh, yeah. man. Kelly. Um, <laughs> so... Let me tell you. So that's one of that's been one of the great things about this is that it's for everybody. Yeah. And like one of and still one of the moments that stands out to me is Agnes making that jab about she was one split end away from cutting her own bangs because that's not a joke for dudes. That's such an intensely female experience. Absolutely not a joke for dudes. And the fact that they put that in that show, you know, in a comic show in like the the premiere of the Marvel television universe for mm-hmm. lack of a better thing to call it you know that that joke and and all that it entails cuz it 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 comes with its own season of baggage not just a it a set like an entire season's design worth of baggage comes with that joke and for that to be something that that just dropped in the middle of the episode and we went on we didn't shine a big light on it or anything we just left it there and then kept going and that was amazing to me as somebody who doesn't always get that kind of joke in the stuff that I usually like to watch so it's been really fun and I've really enjoyed it and you know like I don't know that I have really ever seen the internet's heart break on a scale that it did last week, what is grief but love persevering? Oh, yeah. I have to say, I do think American culture doesn't provide a lot of space for grief. Nope. And I don't think we have common cultural rituals around grief that are kind to the bereaved. No. Or 
let us all sit with what it means to grieve. And so I think people really seized on that because Mm -hmm. we are way overdue for recognizing that the that bereavement is not something you can self-improve your way out of and right. it's not something you can simply do displacement activities with it will always be there under the surface so right and there's yeah. a lot more of it going around now yeah. no than, we've than had there a was, year say, of national grief a year ago yeah, yeah so. and you know like all all of the things that go into that too i think you know i think that's important you know there it's not uh, once five people show up with casseroles for your freezer now you're done like that's not how it works. So, uh, yeah, it's getting dark. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. I had to lighten that a little bit. Yeah. Now let's 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 bring it back. Um. So I have one more crackpot theory I want to leave us all with, and then yes. um we're gonna wrap this up because I think everybody who has been on this on this ride with us is probably ready to get out, stretch their legs, take take what um people in my office are now calling bio breaks and uh, yes and go from there um my crackpot theory is that Dottie slash beth is the witness um because she's the one person who never shows up on the wandavision board and nobody seems mm-hmm. and jimmy is not really in a hurry to id her my theory mm-hmm. is he keeps oh. her photo off the board because he wants to make sure he doesn't call attention to her and that she's desperate and frantic over her kid because the reason she's in witsec in the first place is somebody threatened her family Mm-hmm. That's my crackpot theory. I'm sticking to it. I don't care if it never gets resolved. That could work. I we went with that. Like I think we pitched that earlier. Like maybe yeah. that maybe the the witness is Dottie because yeah. um, it's a nice way to just answer Don and Mine's questions at the same yes. time. Yes, yes. <laughs> Why is she so important? Why was there so much emphasis put on her? Why does she identify yeah. Wanda as a threat? And the answer is because she's good at identifying threats, and she was hiding out in the crap hole of Westview precisely to avoid them. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Right. No, that could t- that could totally work. I like it. And maybe we'll find out more about her yeah. later. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts from either of you? This is so much fun. It I very was. much enjoy getting to do this with with both of you and I I mm-hmm. it makes me so happy that we were able to do this, particularly like because I really love getting back in the crazy theory yes. saddle with Don. And I'm really excited, Lisa, we finally got to do a podcast. I know! It was so great. Um, So I I have to admit, I'm going to watch an episode or two of The Falcon and the Snowman and see how that goes and wonder why Timothy Hutton isn't on my screen with Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. Um, Yep. This is an older joke lost on younger listeners. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And um, I sincerely hope that... um, this is not uh, the powering down of Maximoff Overdrive. You guys, this has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. I just really appreciate uh, you all because you do all the work. I just talk into a microphone, literally. <laughs> but you're so good at it. All right. So with that, and um, let's extend our appreciation, uh, mutual appreciation society to you guys, the listeners. And I'm going to say goodbye to you one final time. I was Lisa Schmeiser, and with me were Kelly Gamont. Hey, be excellent to each other, everybody. And Don Melton. Adios. Be well. And I killed Sparky, too.